tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Johnson. TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Mad Men After Show here on AfterBuzz TV. I love that drum solo. Yes. Hey, everybody. Uh, this is Matt Lieberman. We are doing Season 7, Episode 8, Severance. Uh, with me today, Mr. Joe Braswell's back. Matthew Lieberman. It's good to be back, we sir. back. Back in, uh, back in the chairs, back where we should be. Mr. Isaac Johnson, uh, who, if you've been following AfterBuzz TV, he's done a bunch of great shows. He does uh, Banshee with me. He did Called and Catch Fire with me. A whole bunch of stuff. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And I would call him more of a drum fill, personally, for the solo. Okay, well, that's because you're a mu- musician and I'm not. Uh, Joe Sanfilippo, uh, Sterling Cates, not here this week, but they will be returning to the podcast. Do yes. not fret. Uh, what a fantastic episode. And yeah. and I always forget how much I love Mad Men until it comes back. And it's just it's that kind of like slow, thoughtful, methodical pacing yeah. um, that you just you don't get. Anywhere else? What did you guys think? Uh, I, you know, I thought. I, I, look, I love the world. I've always loved the world. I always forget how much you love the world until it's back in your life. Mm-hmm. Shame on you, AMC, for making us wait a year for the back half of these episodes. But you know, that's the way it goes. Um, it's just good to be back. It's like a you know, like a nice warm sweater, you know, with, like, with a big glass of cognac. Does that sort of smell like cigarette smoke? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's just, it's cheap perfume. Yeah. yeah. I, will, I will say for both of you guys, like, you know, as fans of Banshee, and there's been a lot of shows I've been watching that have, you know, have been packed with plot, namely Empire. It's a little polar opposite. Just, just, just crazy pack, pack soap. Plot. Like yeah. every, every, you know, every hour has got like 16 plot turns. It's good to get back to Mad Men where it's just sort of like really methodical and just sort of really lived in and you know these characters so well. It's good to be back. Yeah. Yeah, I never really forget how great it is, especially since I just binged like the last season, like oh. last week. When it, when it hit <laughs> good for you. So I haven't really forgotten much. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Big fan of the show. It's, it's it's such great drama and such good character development, um, and I really like the themes in this episode. Just the, like the life not lived and like yeah. that sort of work work versus life balance that some of the characters are going through there. I agree because it, the first half of the season was very much about um, Don reclaiming what yeah. he had lost at the end of season six, but at the same time taking a step back. And I really want to. We're going to contrast that to um, to Ken in this episode, sure. but basically at the end of season six he had come so close to being an authentic person to being his authentic self sharing where he grew up with his kids and then he has just been dialing it back further and further and further until at this point with only seven episodes left to go it's a very important and pointed question to ask Mm -hmm. what am I doing here is this all there is is this all there is Mm -hmm. I have thrown away everything else in my life in search of these things that I keep coming back to. Women, freedom, success, mm-hmm. money, power, and yet I'm still miserable. Right. And I'm having dreams about this woman, the one who got away, who mm-hmm. could have been the love of my life. Cats. And waking yeah. waking up 
to this woman. I, I bet he doesn't even know her name. Yeah. This woman in bed with him. Yeah. Not likely, no. I, I mean, I wish that Flippo was here because he, he is like, you know, number one fan yeah. of Don boozing and, and palling around with women and, and I'm tell doing you, I'm his Joe Flippo. I yeah. love Don. Doing the Don thing. I that's love my, Don. That's my Joe Flippo imitation. It, yeah, Thanks. it does not I wear. Spot on. <laughs> it does, but it doesn't wear well here. Right. Like, even in that first scene where we open on this, uh, this casting, yeah. he's got so much hair gel that. It looks like he's graying on the sides. Yeah, I want to. I want to say, you know, back to the whole idea of the end of season six versus the beginning of season seven. I think it's interesting that you know Matthew Weiner said on numerous occasions where that he, season six was it. Like, yeah. he yeah. was very much convinced that season six was it. So season, mm-hmm. season six was written as the end. Um, and I think there's another season, maybe five or four, that was also written as the end. But season six was the end, and so he very much went into season seven, both of them, saying like, "Look, this is this is sort of an epilogue." So I mean, we can we can view this however we want to view it, whether it's a continuation of Don's story, what really mm-hmm. happened. But this is sort of an epilogue as to what we've seen these last six seasons, and both these, these the first half and the second half, he also is very um, very particular in telling the writers in the writers' room that these are two separate seasons. So even though yeah. it's, it's fourteen episodes, right. I want to go back to this back half, of this, this back seven, and start from scratch and treat them like they're four, they're, they're seven, a second season really. So it's almost like a seven point five or a season eight we're looking at. Yeah, so to your point. Where Don starts and where he goes, it, it, it's completely up for grabs. And I think there's him circling back to where, you know, to, to what, what's left. And like we said, like, what, what, what's it all about is something that really we're seeing, you know, come, full, coming, coming full circle. Sure. Yeah. Well, and also him kind of coming back to, like, the Don that whoever the impression that he just did was. I don't know. Who no, I'm Joe Flippo! Yeah, yeah, that guy. Um, yeah. Well, in that diner scene, the story that he's telling is a Dick Whitman story. That's not a Don Draper story. Sure. He's yeah. talking about the... I guess whorehouse or wherever. Yeah, that he grew up. up. And and that woman, probably Abigail, I think that he said was was her name that, you know, took his I guess virginity or something mm-hmm, like that. Sure. But in in her and in like the woman in the diner and even Rachel, like those are all like his type. Yeah. And so I think that's what one his his mother and his stepmother and Abigail. Yeah, they're sure. all they all look like that. they all I look mean, alike, which is yeah. why I think he thinks he knows her because he's even done that in another season where he. I forget what there's like I think Midge. Like a school teacher or something. School, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he's like, "Don't I know you from somewhere?" And like, this is a thing that he's done before. Well, I, I think that's a very, very key point, Isaac, because mm-hmm. what Don is doing and what he has done, I think, his entire life, mm-hmm. he's fascinated by women. Right. He does not understand them. Mm-hmm. He does not know how to handle them, how to treat them well at all. But the continual compulsive conquering of women is how he avoids dealing with anything else in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that he no longer has any kind of familial responsibility or any kind of marriage, anything mm-hmm. to hide behind, now he's just pursuing it willy-nilly. He's got a sec- secretary just to give him all of the calls <laughs> of women who yeah, yeah. who are after him. And this is this is the, the, the fully realized, you know, Joe Sanfilippo eyes mm-hmm. Don Draper we see at the beginning. And I would say that that opening Sequence was, I mean, super, super sexy. By the way, well mm-hmm. done. Oh yeah, and I thought it was just yeah. not, not just, not just because the woman was super hot, but just mm. in the way it was sort of uh, unfolded and that is sort this, of dreamlike, dreamlike feel, very feel. tight shots mm. of her face. Is this happening in Don's office or bedroom? Is this a really a real encounter? Then the, yeah. the reveal to be full of a, you know, full of an office full of men. Like, all right, that was great. Next, it was mm. kind of cool. But yeah, I mean, look, look. 
we can't forget that Don and and the, the rest of his folks are rich now. Mm-hmm. Like they just got yeah. a gigantic payday. Well, so, not Peggy. Well, not Peggy. I'm sorry. Peggy, Peggy is not. Peggy's rich. not. But also but, not Harry. Not yes, Harry. Not Harry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but, but Don and and Pete and Joan, rich. You know, mm-hmm. and so we, we kind of see in Ted, we sort of see this like you know these guys coming sort of feeling their oats in a way that sort mm-hmm. of you know what what do we do now? We're the ultimate. We, we, we've achieved everything. Right. Even seems. Ted is like, hey, you got to come to this Vogue party. Hemlines are going up. Oh, yeah. So, like, what happened to the Ted who was torn between his wife and Peggy not even two gone. seasons ago? He was so Larry Dallas from Three's Company. Like, what popping, the hell? He just, like, rolled in with the, like, hey, the hemlines are up. I, you know? These mustaches <laughs> are yeah. perfection. And that's, sure. some, that's some cool, like, effective <clears throat> storytelling to just basically tell us it's the 70s now. You yeah. Know? You got even yeah. the flowing locks of Stan. It's like... Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're in yeah. But it's the uh it's the Richard Nixon telecast that yeah, lets us yep, know yep. that it's April of nineteen seventy. We've skipped ahead nine months. Yeah. Ten nine, months, I think, actually. Ten months? Yeah. Right. Various various you know, sort of successful and a device that the show has done over over the years to use mm-hmm. these television casts or these historic moments on TV mm-hmm. to let us know, like, oh okay, it's it's April nineteen seventy yeah. or oh it's it's the moon landing. No, it's else. nine months because it was July yeah. of nineteen sixty nine. I thought it was Okay. It was July of 1969 to April of 1970. Yeah. Um, back back to, to the fashion, I will say that it's been sort of like either in highly anticipated or highly dreaded. I remember a couple of seasons ago, seasons ago, people talking about, "Are we going to see them?" and and you know, in wide ties and sideburns and big mustaches. And I don't know <laughs> if I want to see Don Draper and sideburns and da da da. Well, guess what? We're here, and everyone's in mustaches and sideburns and wide ties, except for Don Draper. For Don. He's impervious. He's he's you know. I think. I think there is one scene where he's wearing like a, a colored shirt versus a white shirt, and mm. I think that's about as far fashion forward as he can go. Yeah, there, there's a um, um, Elvis Mitchell did a did a talk with Matthew Weiner on the treatment. He talks to him about this very thing, and Elvis sort of says how Don and even even um, John Hamm has said Don sort of been behind the times and sort right. of and El, and, and um, Matthew was quick to point out that his style is sort of eternal. He's not only behind the times; he is the he's sort of like he's above the trends. Sure. So he is just he's being He's being Don, and this is the guy who, you know, in Playboy in 1970, this is the guy who you see flanked by a bunch of women, the guy in yeah. that tie. He's he's eternally the most sexy guy around. It's the same in 1962 as it is in 70, and frankly, as it was in mm-hmm. 1982. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's kind well, of Well, in 1982, it. it's well, even sadder, because well, I found it sad. Sure, he's got skinnier ties and pushed up <clears throat> blazers, but, you yeah. know. <laughs> but, but that's the thing, right? He keeps uh, obsessing over... Uh, over Rachel Mencken, nay Katz, uh, or Katz, nay Mencken. How does that work? Yeah. Nay, I don't know. But uh, obsessing over her and then obsessing over Die. And the more we come to learn about Don, the more pathetic the womanizing is to me. And and this may upset some people, but I'm just going to say it. Mm-hmm. When he had his virginity taken by that prostitute mm-hmm. at the whorehouse, I mean, that's statutory rape. Sure. I know no one wants to... No, People do this double standard where it's it's a it's a guy, so it's yeah. like, he, he's, a, he's the luckiest guy ever. He's not emotionally prepared for that. Right. He's had a terrible life. And you think about how all of the chief examples of women in his life up until he was an adult and he became Don Draper, mm-hmm. all of them were flawed. His mother died during childbirth. Mm-hmm. His stepmother never forgot to remind him that he was a whore's son and that he was lower than dirt. And then the first woman to ever be kind to him takes advantage of him sexually. Sure. So he's got this ever-cycling compulsive 
just whirlwind of need, sex, emptiness, need, sex, emptiness. Right. And he doesn't have he doesn't have a true north. I, like I love how I love how this show has always used music, but this is the most pointed use of music, yeah, right. maybe song, yeah. maybe ever. Mm-hmm. Is that all there is? And I think it's the theme of the whole series. Well, yeah. I think that his true north for a bit. I mean, you know, the first few seasons he was searching for that true north. His true north for a bit was California and was a sort of the the reclaiming and the, and the acceptance of the Dick Whitman life and the mm-hmm. family in California. Yeah. But then, you know, um, when the uh, you know the sister passed around that yeah when you know, uh, Anna Draper passed when Anna yeah. Draper passed that was sort of like the melting of that true north because it's sort of like well and that's when you see like you mentioned I think there's a sort of this, this fusion now of of Don Draper and Dick Whitman mm-hmm. um, and yeah. I think that what we're seeing now is trying to him balance the acceptance of like okay well I am Dick Whitman I can I can accept this past mm-hmm. uh, I'm Don Draper how do I move forward with both these you know with, with both pasts you know mm-hmm. and what does you, that mean you even have Roger sort of like chiming in about the well, he likes to tell stories about when he was poor or something so it seems like even Roger knows more about you know his past there. I mean, which I guess you know it came out before, but it's not something right. that he's openly talked about. True. Um, there's a lot of death imagery in this show, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of it in this episode specifically. I mean, even the name Severance just uh-huh. gives me just the willies because you know you can right. call that the end of your life. You know, cutting sure. someone's throat, whatever. Um, he's obsessing over a woman whose name is Die. Yeah, Die. Uh, yeah. Rachel Katz <laughs> dies, and he goes to a few. He goes to uh, her shiva. Um, when that bl- when that wine spills on the carpet, you've got this uh, you've got this stewardess who spills wine, and it literally yeah. looks like a blood splatter it, of someone who just blew their brains completely. out. So mm-hmm. deliberate, and then rather than think about it or look at it, he just covers it up. Right, and that's what he's been doing his whole life. Anything that's a tragedy, there's no time to worry about it. Mm-hmm. Cover it up, ha- feel some pleasure, move on. Cover it up and drop a naked woman on top of it. Perfect. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the so Don Draper way. Yeah. You know? There's yeah. also there's also a lot of language that has to do with like coming and going. There's a lot of talk of like takeoffs and layovers. He's actually got a physical stewardess in in the dream. Rachel Menken says I'm supposed to tell you you missed your flight. Uh, yeah, I was gonna ask because it was like I, th- I thought that was a dream or hallucination. At the same time, I was like. Oh. Well, the first time I watched it, I didn't think it was a hallucination. Yeah, I didn't think so. I and I was like, oh my god, she's like, back. That's a great development. Yeah. Right. But it's far more cutting and painful and right. real that it was all a dream. Mm-hmm. Because if you remember, their chemistry was just so off yeah. the charts. She could have been the love of his life. Sure, and she wanted to run away with him. She like, yeah. begged him to, to, to run off to California, was it? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that was a little on the nose with the you missed your flight, but it's but it's sort of like, you know, symbolic of this whole episode, which is, you know, uh, the life not lived, you yeah, know, from, yeah, yeah. from what Cosgrove says and, and actually what we're, what we're seeing. And, yeah, I mean, the idea of him missing that flight and missing that opportunity to go back, go away with her, now he's thinking of her and she's dead. You know, it's the, the irony. And on top of that irony of ironies, here's someone who is so existentially lost, and he goes to the Shiva, and he sees her kids, yeah. and uh, Rachel's so sister, yeah. you know, flat out tells him, like, she had, a, she got everything she wanted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She had a good life. Yeah. She had everything. Yeah, and including Barbara, Barbara, you know, cats, mm-hmm. I imagine, was, yeah. was yeah. very aware of Don Draper, and very aware, oh, yeah. like, oh, you, mm-hmm. I know who you are, you're the guy who, you <laughs> yeah. know. But, you know, so I think her sister, she knows all about him, but yeah, she fit up very necessary to say, you know, despite of what how you effed her over, she actually worked and things worked out for her. She had I mean, except she for, wanted. sadly, the leukemia. So then there's that bit, but yeah. <laughs> there's, that, there's yeah. that small detail. But, you know, things worked out for her. She had a lovely family and a lovely life, so 
F you, Don Draper. Basically, yeah. yeah. You can also, take your cake and go. Also got like a hint of jealousy about her sister, maybe. Just you think so? Yeah, just a little all bit. All these men fawning she, all over you know, her. She had the, the husband, the kids, and all these great things. And then she also had the affair with like Studley McStudlerson or whatever his name is. Yeah. yeah. I get that. Yeah, I see that as well. Just, just a little yeah. bit of it, but yeah, also to that. remind Don that you missed out on something yeah. great. So um, we also are dealing with uh, Di, the waitress. And this whole sequence, this is maybe one of the stranger sequences uh, I think I've ever seen on Mad Men that was not a dream. Where he's got, he sees oh, yeah. this woman yeah. and he says, "Do at, at first, like... Do I do I know you? Mm-hmm. Um, and she says no. Mm-hmm. He comes back. Uh, Roger leaves a hundred dollar bill as a tip. He comes back, and the second time he says, "I think I know you." Um, it, is is he thinking? Is he, is he is she reminding him of Rachel? I mean, what what is that connection? Because at first I thought like he knows her. And I'm like flipping through all the. I'm like, wait, I don't know her. Who is she? Yeah, it, it could be that he, she reminds him of Rachel, but more likely just because he has this type. Yeah, she is uh. just this ephemeral figure. She is the catch all of just the woman he's been chasing. Right. Yeah. Well, more often the women that he has an affair with. Right. Brunettes, basically. Yeah. So it's Im- it's. Implied, it's implied that she's a sex worker because the hundred dollar bill is left, and then she assumes that that was payment mm. for sex. Now the question is, you know, was she a prostitute, or what? Did she just have a very low opinion of herself, and she just assumed the only reason she got left that kind of money is because someone wanted more from her? I don't under, I did not understand. This. I felt like it was the latter. I really felt like yeah. it was, you know, the way they treated her, you know, the way Roger treated her, and the, which, which, which is pretty, Pierce. yeah, it was yeah, completely, yeah. completely degrading. With Mildred Pierce's comment, yeah, and then uh, to throw the hundred dollar bill as if like you know, look, this will take care of everything. And then when he shows up, it's almost like these guys, you know, these Manhattan guys, f these guys, you know, there's these Madison Avenue guys again. And then when he shows back up, she's like, yeah, I think she just has that little opinion of herself, like, well, this guy can't possibly be here for me, mm-hmm. you know, this 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 dreamboat. He's coming in like wanting something. Like, all right, I'll give it to him. Maybe he'll leave me alone then. Yeah, sadly. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't know. Did you read that? Yeah, I mean, I was thoroughly confused. I'm like, is this a common thing? Go to a restaurant, leave a big tip, and have you never left a hundred dollar <laughs> bill as a and tip? And leave a big tip. G- well, well <laughs> for some of us, what up? But still, yeah. <laughs> what is that supposed to mean? No, I just, I just, I don't know. <laughs> All right, but <laughs> but it's also again like sad and gross. Yeah, it was gross. Yeah. yeah, it's gross. It gross. But I think it, it also it was it was a lot. It did remind me of sort of you know, getting meta with with Don Draper and his relationships. There was, mm-hmm. you know, there is something about Draper's relationship that is sort of transaction transactional. These non these uh these relationships that don't mean anything. That's sort of mm-hmm. like sort of his way of you know using these women to sort of sort of fill these fill his, these emotional holes. And I think that this was actually really transactional. You yeah. Know, the fact that she said, "Okay, well, you this is what this is for," and he's like, "All right," you know, and he did it. And then, you know. You know, he but he, you know, she he left. He, the fact that he did it was very, very, very disappointing because mm-hmm. it's yeah. sort of like you know he's he doesn't, he's Don Draper. He doesn't have to, but it's he did disposable. It. But it's just any any attempt to escape from his life, any moment where he can feel some kind of love from somebody, because that's to him that's what love amounts to. Right, is just. A, a moment of closeness, some intimacy, even if it's paid for. I mean, back in season four, when he was single for the first time after his marriage mm-hmm. uh, to Betty, 
we saw him going to prostitutes and getting slapped in the face because he hated himself so much. Yeah. And it goes again back to the song. Is that all there is to love? Is that all there is? Yeah. All you need is some money, and then that's and that's that. I mean, it's all he knows. I yeah. I, um, but also, I mean, even like the either it's last season or seven point one or whatever we're calling it. Like, <laughs> you know, like he does turn some of these opportunities down. In fact, he doesn't really step out. Uh, on Megan at all, except for like the well, not really stepping out of the third season, uh, guess, except but. for a whole season, season six. Well, yeah, no, I'm saying, but like in season, the beginning of season seven, whatever you're going to call it, when he's lost, like he doesn't go to any of that stuff. But now that he has all this material, he's not necessarily mm-hmm. worrying about that. He's he's going back to, I guess, the only thing that he knows. Yeah, I guess so. Well, here before we move on, we're going to really quickly uh, talk about iTunes because you know, folks, the best way to support AfterBuzz TV is to rate and review the shows that you listen to or that you watch on YouTube. It's quick, it's easy, and it doesn't cost you a single solitary dime. Did you know, and many of you do because you watch several shows that maybe I may or may not host, did you know that AfterBuzz TV puts out over 100 hours of free after-show content every single week? It is the widest array of after-show content anywhere on the web. It is 100% free, and we work really, really hard to make that happen. And the best way to make sure that we can continue doing that is to rate and review the shows and to subscribe to the YouTube channel. It helps us get our sponsors that keep the lights on and the doors open, and you get a great shout-out here on the show. Uh, great show, great podcast from uh, DeverDog63, five stars. I really love being able to extend my enjoyment of the show by listening to this each week after watching Mad Men. It is interesting to see what they comment on and the insights the hosts bring up. I thoroughly enjoy this podcast, and the hosts very obviously love the show and do their research. It's a very well-done podcast. Love Deaver Dog. Yes. After Buzz Mad Men, five stars by Leslie Tyndall. Love, love, love this podcast. Brilliant. Thank you. Uh, Can't wait. Don't want it to end. Five stars from Kath0406. I've been catching up on Mad Men, episode, podcast, episode, podcast, and love having the insights you all provide after each show. I can't get enough of the show, so the podcast just extends the joy of watching. I dread the approaching final episodes, but look forward to your input and commentary. Thanks so much. And finally, Mad Men, five stars from Andy Bacon. Bacon moon. Uh, bacon what? Bacon slash moon. Is he, nice. is he making a moon in the oven? It's Andy, like Andy McDowell. It's a lady. Oh, Andy. lady. Okay. She's yeah. making some moons. bacon just triggered my yeah. Bacon moon. Yeah. Um, I just started watching your reviews of Mad Men, Game of Thrones, and Breaking Bad. I love your shows. So glad it popped up on my YouTube feed. We'll be watching all of your reviews of my favorite shows. Will you review The Shield and The Wire? Unfortunately, since those shows have long since ended, I don't think that that's going to be possible. But yes. I do appreciate your support of the network. And someday, somewhere, I'd love to do a Shield podcast. I love the Shield, and I love the Wire. They're two of the best the shows ever. I love the Shield more. Than, well, I love the Wire more than the Shield. The Wire is better than the Shield, but, but the, the Shield amazing. is so thrilling. The Shield's amazing. Shield's amazing. All right, all right. So <laughs> before we finish with Don, yes. um, the earring that he finds when he's making out with the girl on the Weinstein carpet, mm-hmm. yeah, Betty's earring. No, Megan's no, earring. Megan's. Megan's? Yeah, Megan's earring. Which. Why is Megan's earring still under his bed nine months after uh, it's been Kaputsky? I think (laughs) Kaputsky. I think, well, this, you know, when he flips the light on and we see this apartment, this sort of empty, very empty, sort of bachelorized apartment. He shuts it back down. He shuts it down. It just feels so empty and cold. And you get the impression that, you know, Megan left. He's just barely sort of keeping it 
up, but it doesn't feel homey. But then uh, the, the earring is sort of proof that he hasn't really done a deep dive in sort of yeah. changing things around. He's not there. Mm-hmm. He's, he's gallivanting around. He's bringing broads back to the, to the to the spot, and that's it. Well, it's it connects back almost to um, what Ken's father father-in-law played by Ray Wise says. Yes. Like, who says I'm going to be at home at all? Right. He just he stays at the office, or he's going out with that's these true. women. Yeah. You know, he's not really putting any work into this home because it's not a home anymore. It's just where he sleeps. Right. I just and also one last thing on Don. Uh, you know, the school teacher was Miss Farrell. He left her in the car. You know, like left her in the car, and then right. even Midge. You know, back in season one, I think it was. He <laughs> said, "Let's go to Paris." So, I mean, in the in the long line of Miss Farrell and Midge and Rachel Katz, do you think that Diane? Obviously, she's that type. But mm-hmm. do you think that I mean, I'm getting into predictions here? Do you think that like this is something that is sustainable? That this is the the one, or is, is he just she just one more of those ladies who is the unattainable thing? Like he kind of wants her, but he really doesn't. No, I mm-hmm. think we'll never see her again. Really, I really and truly do. I, yeah, I don't think no, so either. Diane. Also, because I think that she was used in a, in a smart way to drop that. Like when people die, everything gets, gets mixed up, and yeah. and we just had Bert die, and maybe mm-hmm. he's trying to make sense of that. But she did say, "Don't do this to me, man." Like, hey, like, don't I'm you know? And he's like, "No, I just want to sit here." And he's like, "Okay, yeah." yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, he just, I'm, I'm rooting for Diane, man. I'm you're rooting for, for Diane? Well, <laughs> let me ask you this. Because so many people assume that because of all the death imagery and allusions to death in this show, and this sort of overwhelming, looming dread, mm-hmm. that Don will die at the end of the series. Uh, you know, I, 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 can't, I can't buy that. Cause they've been yeah. saying that since season one, mm-hmm. that he's the guy in the, in the, in the, you know, falling out of the window, and this is sort of his thing. Or yeah. the, the show will end with him jumping out of a window, or he may die. But look, Matt's ended the season twice, Don lived both times. It'd be really weird to say, you know what, maybe he dies. And then kill him. I don't know. Maybe he yeah. does, but I just, that's a real left turn from what he's Matthew Weiner's been doing. I don't I, know. I just don't see it happening either, but um, I think he predicted his death in the earlier half of the season. Or not his death, but his... Basically, that he's going to end up alone. Mm-hmm. And he'll bas- he'll end up alone with no one, and yeah. he's just kind of further down. He'll have money. He'll, have a, he'll be a success. He won't just be the son of a whore and all these kinds of things. But I don't think that he's going to have anyone. Hmm. Mm-hmm. See, to me, it's not necessarily... I don't know that he's going to die at the end of the series, but I also wouldn't consider it a left turn. Because it's all about this existential dread, this fact that no matter what he does, if he can't find the secret to his happiness, which he very well may never do, he will end up alone, and then he will die. He doesn't have to die on the show for him to have died figuratively. And uh, Dick Whitman is already dead. Don Draper will die, too. It's a good point. I, will, I do see, or maybe there is the death of Don Draper, and he goes and lives the life of Dick Whitman. <laughs> I mean, I I think that, that to me that would be no, the only way. That, I would love that. That would be the only way that he can really sort of find that happiness if that happens, because this life is Don Draper, as you said, it, it, it is it is full of dread. These last six seasons, we've seen him sort of in, per, in pursuit, in pursuit of something, mm-hmm. in pursuit of the you know the, the the ideal workplace situation, the ideal woman, the ideal marriage, and none of it's worked. And now we see him really at the top of his game, you know, with everything, all the money in the world. He's, he's single. He's got chicks everywhere. And he's still not happy. But I wouldn't even call that the top of his game because he doesn't look engaged by anything. Not by work. Not by women. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. I, I, I wonder. But I do wonder, like, what this, you know, how this ends for, for Don Draper. And I do mm-hmm. hope that it, it, it ends with him sort of cocooning out of, you know, breaking the cocoon of Don Draper and reemerging as Dick Whitman. I don't know. I that think would be that nice. would be wonderful. Um, or he just 
he finds his happiness in work, which is not happiness. Or we fast forward to 2004 when he dies alone in a nursing home. Oh, no. Um, That's what I'm saying. No. All right. Let's talk about Kenny. Kenny Cosgrove. Kenny Cosgrove, (laughs) who uh, at times has been a punching bag on this show. Lost an eye. At times. Literal punching bag. bag, Lost his eye. He screwed up his leg. He's given so much to this company, and then they just toss him out like old garbage (laughs) as soon as they can, as soon as his father-in-law steps down from Dow. Um, And I love this scene with Ray Wise. It's like almost kind of creepy in a a Twin Peaks way. And he was was on that show as well, where he's like talking about, um, you know, I'm I'm taking up cooking. Oh, yeah. What'd you make? I made this... um, uh, What's it called? What, what are you calling it? Yeah. A pop tart, Ed. It was really good. <laughs> it's so just, I, mean, I think it's just yeah. Ray Wise's ability to deliver any, like, oh, yeah. Yeah. anything he delivers feels mm. like it harkens back to Twin Peaks. It's like him talking about pop tarts is like, mm. oh, that's so creepy. He's got this very specific kind of charisma that's mm-hmm. kind of unnerving. Yes. Even when he's not being used to be creepy, it's just sort of like. There's something odd. Yeah, it's like a yeah. used car salesman meets a child molester meets a, I don't know what. The devil. It's something the devil. Yeah. 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 No, he was I, the devil on Reaper as well. But Ken's got <laughs> Ken's got a great wife, and that's a great show. Reaper yeah, yeah. was a great no, show. Great, yeah. um, but Ken's got a great wife. Amazing wife. To she, tell you to quit your job and pursue your dreams. It does help that we have a lot of money, so you don't have to worry about yeah. that part. But still an amazing thing to go say, go and chase down your dreams. You're miserable at your job. Yeah. Sure. And awesome. he takes umbrage. He takes umbrage to this. Yeah. He's like, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. Why don't you go write a book? <laughs> and I'm like, what is wrong with <laughs> yeah. you, Ken? It's like a fourth grade response. You're the one with a book. You write a book. <laughs> He's just stuck in this cycle. He's like, I just want to stay until I can find out whether or not I I got this raise, and I'm just like, that's just empty, man. You have money. What's the point? And then the very next day, fired Mm -hmm. um, because he stole all all that bird's eye money, the bird's eye account, Mm -hmm. back in season four when he came and joined SCDP. Yep. Yeah. Um, And uh, I'm not happy with Ken at the end of this episode. Now, don't get me wrong. The first time I watched it, I was really, really pleased Mm -hmm. when he marched back into Roger's office with Triumphant. And he's just like, I'm going to be your client, and I am difficult. It was probably, like, the biggest, like... um like a like fist pump moment for like Mad Men. Sure. Yeah, can you go get, get yours? Oh, but wait, you've given up on the writing thing. Yeah. Right. yeah. Well, let me ask you this: Did you did you think that that moment where um, where Roger fires him? Were you feeling like, well, he kind of deserved this, and yeah, he had it coming? Are we like, oh, Roger, he really screwed him? I mean, what? Yeah. What? I mean, how did, what did you feel? You felt like I felt that Ken has given far more to this company exactly. than just about anybody else. Exactly. His eye. And and. Just he doesn't care at all, Roger. Well, well, so I ask you, you know, that so I ask you, so why is this not? Why are you then so disappointed in Kim when he comes back and says, "I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna get my revenge"? Mm-hmm. Why is that then disappointing to you? It's disappointing to me because he has the out. He has the out yeah. right there. Go and live your life. It's a sign. He says to Don, yeah. "It's it, it can't be a coincidence. It must be a sign. But it's not a sign to dive back into the corporate pool, mm-hmm. not with one, not with two feet, but with one foot in, one foot out, where it's saying, look, I'm not leaving advertising, but I'm also not stay uh, but I'm but I'm not staying where I should be. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah, where yeah. he's well, got one foot in one foot out judges, instead of he judges his 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 father-in-law for working for a big chemical company and basically just being a corporate guy and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. But also like the reason that he's I think not pursuing his dream before is just that he really 
for some reason cares about besting those guys. And ultimately, that becomes more important to him, is to best them rather than to be like, you guys are going to treat me like crap? Fine. I can go over here. We've got plenty of money. I can go chase down my dream. Even my wife is supporting me, but it's way more important to best these guys. It, yeah. it felt great. Yeah. I loved it. But it at the same great. time, it, oh, but the life, the life yeah. not lived. Yeah, and that's the thing. That he's the one who tags it in the episode. Mm-hmm. And now he'll never know. And now he's, he's choosing not well, to live it. So that, yeah. and then the meta thing. You no, know, Mad Men works best. What why I love Mad Men the most is it's just a fantastic workplace drama, right? The workplace drama stuff is fantastic, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all these guys and, and and women as well. Peggy being the, the most, Peggy and Don being the most like this, are married to this job, and this is their life, and it's mm-hmm. sort of. You know, with Don, no matter you know all, all of his pursuits and all of his everything else, he's the happiest. It always comes back to the work. Same with Peggy; it always comes back to the work. And mm-hmm. and I guess this is another thing. Like even with Ken, you know, when given the opportunity to have go out and live this wonderful life and write a book and do yeah, whatever on he's a farm, do on a farm, yeah. he still chooses the work or the idea of the work. And maybe it's just something about the seduction of of this world of the advertising world. Maybe it's just all they know. But this is what all these guys, Pete, all of them. This is what they all choose. Mm-hmm. You know. True. You know, even even uh, Joan, they all they all choose this. They've all had their outs. Mm-hmm. They've all chosen this. So that, that's I think there's I don't know what that means in sort of the meta Matthew Weiner ex, uh, examination of the workplace, but mm-hmm. this particular workplace. But uh, it, it draws them all back. Well, mm-hmm. it's the same thing that happened to Don from season six into the beginning of season seven, sure. where he had the opportunity to take the authentic life yep. and to try to reinvest in his kids, recognize mm-hmm. that he's got these kids that he could have a relationship with, that he has enough money, that he doesn't need to work like he's doing, mm-hmm. that he doesn't need an advertising job, that he could be authentic, and then he he can't he can't hack it. Not even for a couple of months. Nope. And he's mm-hmm. right back in selling his ideas back to Sterling Cooper yeah. through through banging freaking tags. Joel yeah. Murray. Yeah, banging yeah. out tags and you know Yeah, Freddie Rumson. Yeah, Freddie Rumson. Rumson. Yeah, yeah, no. He yeah. clawed his way back into that. You're right. That's that's <clears throat> he could have completely especially ending season six by bringing his kids to the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He could have completely turned and invested in them. He was even getting paid. Yeah. yeah. He was getting paid a salary. He didn't have to work, but he was getting paid a salary. Like, if anyone has that job out there, I will take that job. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. But in any case, Ken, uh, he's going to be a client, and I'm sure he's going to enjoy it for a little while. Hopefully oh, yeah. it works out for him in the long run. Right. Um, we got to talk about Peggy. Sure. Unfortunately, we're, we're low on time, so mm-hmm. we still got to talk about Peggy and yes. Joan. And um, so Peggy and, and Joan are dealing with this uh, this uh, Topaz account. Legs are a thing. Hanes legs mm-hmm. in yes. the eggs, uh, which, which I re- which I'm old enough to remember, unfortunately. Yeah, do those all, not exist anymore. They I, legs I, I still exist, but the not egg, the egg. The egg's gone. The yeah. egg's gone. But I remember the egg in the eighties. Yeah, no, I remember. Even the, yeah. the, the, the seventies. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so Peggy uh, is approached by Mathis, one of her copywriters, Johnny Mathis. Johnny Mathis. Did we know his first name before? No, no. I didn't think I ever knew that. Yeah. Yeah, Johnny Mathis. This is funny. Yeah, it's hysterical. <laughs> um, and he has an odd request. He wants to set her up with his brother-in-law, right. Stevie. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, she's resistant. She's resistant. And finally, she and Stevie go out, and it starts out super awkward. But what I love about Stevie, mm-hmm. and what I love about Stevie with Peggy is that she he he sees her for her not right. for some amalgam of uh traits or qualities not for uh you know like trying to be some kind of symbol of femininity or women in the workplace right. he's just she tells him well I didn't go to college I just started right out at work I was a secretary and he's like that's interesting mm-hmm. right 
And she's like, that that is? Right. Like, I feel like most people would look down on somebody for not going to college. Um, and they have this, like, very weird tete-a-tete over... The veal. Over the veal. Right. Which, like, I don't understand not being freaked out about not getting the meal that you ordered. I don't right. think you're being a prima donna to be like, I'm sorry, I didn't order this. Right. Yeah. Very polite. Um, but he says, I have two options now. Either I, I have to be a prima donna and get what I ordered, mm-hmm. or I have to eat this veal and look weak. Look weak. Right. And uh, she... He says, you know, Johnny said you'd be like this, that you didn't really take any crap. Mm-hmm. And he, she's like, what else did he say? And he, he says, you were funny and you were fearless. Yes. And this is, I feel like, the first person to really see her that way and to treat her that way. And she takes charge. And she's like, you know what? I love Veal. But it, it, there was there was a review I read where they said, um, if you didn't listen closely, it almost sounded like she said, I love you. Like the way that, if I you say veal. it quickly, I love, I love Veal. Yeah, I, love I actually you. thought that. Yeah. yeah. I thought that too. That maybe maybe that was a, maybe that was a, a trick in the, in the writing, playing with the diction there. <laughs> um, I, lo- I love that whole sequence. I love that. I love the idea of of Mathis sort of, I just picture Mathis like really just in his room, like thinking Peggy's just the best thing in the world. Yep. She's so strong and who, mm-hmm. and then really admiring her brother-in-law. My brother-in-law is so great. He's this great lawyer. He's so <gasps> handsome. Let's mm-hmm. put him together. Like, I, I like the idea yeah. of him really well, in, he in, was, in Mathis's mind. He was mind. not in for it. His wife was pressuring well, sure. She was putting it on. And, but then I also love, I love, uh, I love drunk Peggy. First of all, I love, mm-hmm. I love yeah. drunk Peggy's my, one of my favorite Peggy's. Like drunk so, Peggy's. Silver awesome. Peggy the next morning with the Alcatellas was a drag, but drunk yeah. Peggy was great. Yeah. Um, and you're right. Like you know, Peggy's a woman who is is had this this sort of like really well earned rise. You know, in in, in the corporate world, sure. and who frankly you know is the boss of men, and, yeah. and, and and hard to find a man that is sort of her not her, her peer, let alone you know she has a in this role the role the gender roles here mm-hmm. when she meets the guy she has to either sort of acquiesce and be the woman which she won't, that she doesn't want to do or she has to sort of dumb herself down mm-hmm. and so she continues to be this strong Peggy and then at dinner she's like I'm, I don't care I'm strong Peggy and when he accepted that and then flipped that it was just a lovely moment of like you know oh well let's switch I thought that was, that was just well it's really well done I love that yeah I mean she's a rarity uh, to be in the position that she's in also she all the people that work for her are men so she's yeah. got mm-hmm. like a role reversal there um, I think he probably heard about her heard about her being fearless I think that Mathis was genuine when he said that she was a catch and all this stuff. And I thought he was really interested in her or interested in being this kind of person. And then I think that she liked that he kind of called her on her stuff there at the table. Yep. And so she sort of saw him as like a guy that wasn't just going to acquiesce, even though, you know, she's as yeah. strong as she is. Sure. And also, in contrast to Abe, who pitched Abe. himself as like a new wave progressive, but ultimately yeah. was just as resentful and misogynistic yeah. as anybody else. Yeah. Ultimately crazy. Probably. Right. This is a guy who... I really actively. I hope like, things work out. I mean, after, after the deal was switched, the right. Galliano was flowing. Baby. The Galliano was flowing, and <laughs> and a, a new side of Peggy that we haven't seen maybe since season two when she was when she wanted to try some marijuana yeah. for the first time. Let's she was like, "Let's F go, Paris. let's go to Paris tonight." And how just like it's great writing. She can't find the passport because the passport is at work. Okay, well, yes, okay. where else so, would it be? Yeah, she's so tied to work. That's yeah. where it would be. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. I have a question. What happened to the like handsome handyman that like was in her place at the end of the season break? Nine months have passed, I don't know. I guess so. I was hoping something was gonna happen. But that's now. maybe that's when she said when he says you're old fashioned, she's like, I've tried new fashion. Maybe that was some of the new fashion. I assume that was Abe and mm-hmm. Pete and all that. Was yeah, that's true. Okay, that's true. Even yeah. in back in the pilot, what am I thinking? Yeah. Yeah. But uh but yeah, hopefully this storyline will continue to develop. 
Um, I just want to see Peggy happy and fulfilled, well, and that doesn't Peggy happen. Happy and fulfilled. I, I feel like she's on the same track as Don. I feel yeah. like you know she's ultimately has the it's, it's a similar trajectory that she has these opportunities and these guys and these men's, but ultimately she because of her position, because of her love for the work, she's ultimately married to the work. I don't want her to end up alone, mm-hmm. but I fear that that's the track she's going on to. Well. I think she doesn't realize that she hasn't been on a vacation until she's saying it. You know mm-hmm. that she's pursued this this work so hard. She's like, the last time I was on, actually, I've never been on a vacation. Exactly, or I haven't been on one. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like she still has room in her life, and she still has time to correct course. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think she doesn't need a partner, but if she wanted one, I bet she could find somebody who would be able to give her stimulation both in this relationship and let her have the career that she's always wanted versus Don, who's never been able to appreciate a partner sure. and has never given the time of day to a partner that mm-hmm. could really keep up with him. Like Fair just enough. going back to, to Dr. Grace, I believe, yeah, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. in season yeah. four. Um, but in any case, let's talk about Joan, yeah. who is dealing with... Just thugs and gross dudes in this episode. One of whom, thugs and gross dudes. gross dudes. In full disclosure, the gentleman in the middle who had the nice uh, rib about uh, pears and panties, and your panties, Ugh. and he calls them the landing party when they gross. come in. Yeah, is an actor named Josh Labar that both Matt and I know very well. Yes, uh, and uh, it's great, great to see him here, yeah. and he's just perfect. Yeah, he did a terrific job. The three guys in that room were just is he a cat in real life. Uh, oh. <laughs> oh, no, 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 what? No, he's probably watching that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love the layers of just like the grease that these guys are laying on. Just, I, I read Variety and Variety called them Cretans. Yeah. <laughs> which just meant that, I mean, Josh is not this guy in real life. We right. both know this, okay. but like, it was just um, so creepy. Mm-hmm. So creepy. Very. Oh, it made me so uncomfortable, which yeah. is like some great action. And there. poor Joan, who's finally climbed to this position of power. And Peggy brings up a good point in that she's loaded. She could quit. She could do whatever she wants for the rest of her life. But she's worked so hard. She's yep. clawed her way to the top, and she's not going to give away the power that she has. Mm-hmm. But she has to sit here and just take this crap yeah. from these guys. She's a partner. Yeah. And she has to yeah. take this crap because even though she's a partner at this company, technically they're her bosses because yeah. they work for the company that owns them. Yep. Mm-hmm. It sucks. It well, sucks. And you think about the way that she became a partner. She's, mm-hmm. she's never had respect at this place that she works. It's true. And even Peggy throws that in her face. She does this blame the victim bull crap yeah, yeah, where she says, dressed. if you didn't dress the way that you do, which calling all the way back to the first episode of the series sure. when Peggy tells her, go home, take off your dress, put a bag over your head and figure out what <laughs> (laughs) your best assets are um it's this utter role reversal where she's where then joan is like well you never dress like i do because you couldn't handle it anyway because you're ugly right and i'm just like (laughs) well not not for anything like just the very quickly the 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 significance of that dress you know her buying the dresses Mm -hmm. you know matthew weiner also noted that the one person that sort of hasn't had the real fashion evolution aside from don is joan and not for the reasons that don has but for joan is she's clinging on to that thing that was made her the sexiest whether it's college or not college but high school age like she's clinging to that look and mm-hmm. now we're seeing that sort of look sort of backfiring on her so maybe it's a thing that she's really trying to now she's seeing that now mm-hmm. and trying to you know evolve out of that into something else and hopefully that's what the trip to the to the dressmaker was about I don't yeah. know maybe. well she just buys more clothes that are very young but I <laughs> I if if Christina Hendricks or Joan or whoever we want to call her dressed in any different way there's 
There's no hiding certain attributes that she has. She has giant what, boobs. What, oh, okay. That's yeah, yeah, made, right, it, yeah. made it plain. <laughs> yeah. But also, she goes to the same department sp- store that she worked at when she left Sterling Cooper yes. um, mm-hmm. several years ago. That she yes. could buy. Yeah, that she, that she almost does. Yeah. She's buying everything in sight. She's buying everything in sight. Mm-hmm. And uh, the woman says, you know, didn't you used to work here? I could get you the employee discount. And she's like, no, you must have me confused for someone else. Yes. And she's mirroring this Don Draper, this like, you know, utter shunning of who sure. she was. I am now this person, and this is who I'm going to be from now on. Not only that, I can afford it. I don't mm-hmm. need a discount. Yeah. I'm rich. And I want to yeah. flaunt what I have. Right. Yes. All right. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, we don't have any more time to talk about uh, Pete and his vision of California that was a dream. Yes. Uh, hopefully, we will get to talk about it next week. Mm-hmm. But right now, we got to do quick predictions. Let's do it. And now, you're after Buzz TV. Joey Joe. Man, oh, jeez. I, 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 I have no idea what's going to happen. I do, I, I will say that I, 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 I do say just mildly, I do think we'll see Diane again. Yeah. So I think that, I think that she'll be a constant. I would like to believe that that's who Don will end up with, but maybe I'm just, you know, dreaming. Okay. Dick Whitman awesome. and Diane are off. Went off to California to, to do their thing. Well, I don't think they have chemistry like that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Um, yeah, no. It's. I mean, obviously, it's a. They keep so much under wraps on this show, and even like the next week's episode is just a bunch of disjointed clips where you as can't usual. really tell what's as usual going to happen. Um, I will say the the Peggy and Stevie thing. Um, not just because their names rhyme, maybe mm-hmm. a thing. Um, uh, I think Roger's also going to keep that mustache the whole season. Oh, I hope so. God, it's yeah. gorgeous. It's Colonel perfect. Sanders-esque. If, if he, if he would have had a, a stash in the 60s, it would have had to be like a short pencil mustache, and mm-hmm. I don't think that works with the white hair. Yeah. That's why I think it had to be long and flowing and beautiful. And it's, wonderful. it's perfect. It's perfect. Um, for me... I think we gotta we gotta check in with Megan. I think we're checking in with Megan next week. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, I think we're going to California. I don't know, man. I mean, what about Betty and and uh, Betty and the kids? Yeah, and the kids and my man. I don't uh, care about Betty Henry. and Henry. Well, is Henry France? He was super nice when we met him at the season six yes, finale. Yes. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I care more about what's going on with the kids, and I want to see Don get back to that place he was at at the end of season six. I was Fair so much. happy for him then, and then to have him so utterly forget about it is just is hurtful. Yeah. yeah well, in, he, but he also um, they had the moment where, where um, gosh, Sally. Uh, Sally said that she loved him yeah. in the car. So I think we're going to really visit that as well. Good. Yeah. yeah. All, All right. We do. All, right. All right, folks. Well, I, will, I will say that Roger Sterling and uh, Stan win the seventies so far, though. True oh, yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and Ted Shaw, and Ted, 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 Ted Shaw. Ted he's got this. Oh, he's got the stash. With the he's partying yeah. in the village yes. with, at the Vogue. Ted Shaw might win. Okay, all yeah. right, uh, folks. I want to thank you so much for joining us. We will be back here every single Monday uh, until the end of the season, six weeks from now. I hope that you enjoy the ride with us, Joe Braswell. Where can the people find you? You can find me here at After Buzz doing uh, the Blacklist in about two weeks for the final five episodes of that show, or four episodes. Also here doing. Bates Motel, which is a fantastic show, we're rounding up, and Hannibal coming on June fourth, and uh, here at Mad Men with you, yes, Matt Lieberman. All right, wow. Isaac. Well, well, thanks for having me, fellas. Yeah, it's it's great, great. Absolutely. Great to have you. 
Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Isaac Johnson, Instagram, The Isaac Johnson. You can check out my YouTube page, also The Isaac Johnson. You can see everything I've ever done for After Buzz and my music video. Yeah. And I'm sorry, and me at Joe K. Braswell on Twitter and Instagram. All right. And you can follow me on Twitter at Matt Lieberman. That's M A T T L I E B E R M A N. Follow my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash C slash Matt Lieberman, doing advice content four days a week. Uh, and hey, I'm doing the season finale of Better Call Saul this evening. So if you're watching live, watch that in just two. In just one short hour. Just one short hour. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's all I'm doing for right now. Oh, and Orphan Black is coming back. Yes. So thank you all so much. See you next week. Good night. From executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 